Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Help us to not waste it. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's start with a little time of confession this morning. How many of you have ever wasted your time? Okay, all right. Good. The rest of you will have confession next week about lying. Um, when I talk about wasting time, I, I don't mean that you got stuck in traffic, because that's something that you can't control. I don't think if any of us had the choice, we'd say, gosh, I'd really love to be stuck in traffic today. So instead, I want you to think about those times where you've had uh, 20 extra minutes. And of all the things in the world that you could be doing, you chose to play Candy Crush on your phone. That's a waste of time. And it seems like the faster our world goes, the more opportunities we have to waste time. You go back a couple generations, and doing the wash was a seven to eight hour process. There was not a lot of time that you could waste. But now we have so much efficiency that when we do have time, we choose to waste it more often than not. I have found that I'm one of those people that has the very best of intentions when I fly. I'm, I look at a flight block of three or four hours and I think to myself, gosh, I'll catch up on some reading, maybe I'll write some notes to some people that I haven't been in contact with, and I throw all of that stuff into my carry-on, never touch it, never touch it, because instead what happens is I get on the plane and I start scrolling through my phone and my news feed and emails, looking at pictures, watching the guy next to me pick his nose, and before you know it, three hours are gone and I have nothing to show for the time. Now, we've just come off of a Saturday, and Saturdays, up until the point that your kids start doing sports, Saturdays are usually the lazy day of the week, and sometimes I'll hear one of our members say something to the effect of, I did nothing yesterday. Well, that's, that's not true. Everybody did something yesterday. It might not have been something useful, but we did something. My guess is that, that most of our teenagers in the congregation slept until noon. That's something. Sleeping is something, and, and it's, it's a necessary, vital thing. Some people see Saturday night as, as date night. Investing in your relationships are important. So that's not a bad use of time. But there are times and spaces and seasons that we totally waste. So I want you to consider two people who have both lost their jobs. They were both let go for downsizing. They find themselves unemployed for three months. That's a long stretch of time. One of them spends his days filling out resumes, taking classes to enhance his skills, networking, seeking out a new position. The other decides to do nothing but complain. He starts by complaining about the company that let him go. Then he begins talking about how companies just aren't hiring these days. Pretty soon we've gotten to the place where we're just complaining that the whole world is against us. And at the end of the three months, both men have done something with their time, but only one of them has capitalized on the opportunity and redeemed that time. When we think of wasting time, we think of it as, as wasting five minutes here or there, having one of those lazy days. 
But the truth of it is, if we are not careful, we can waste whole seasons. So the Apostle Paul wants us to reframe how we look at our time and what we do with it as he writes to the church in Ephesus. And as his introduction to this section, he reminds us of some important things that are going to shape how it is that we as followers of Christ use our time differently. The most important thing that he reminds us is that, that we are people who need to always remember that we were created with a plan and a purpose, God's plan, God's purpose. And we live into that plan and purpose as we seek to be followers of Jesus Christ. That's why as a church we spent so much time on the Sermon on the Mount this year because if we say that we're followers of Christ, we need to have an idea of what that actually looks like and means. And what we learn throughout the scriptures um, is, is that to follow Jesus means that our lives look different than those of, those of the rest of the world. And that doesn't mean just part of our lives, like the, the one hour on Sunday morning part is different. It means that it's all different. And that includes our perspectives and our approach to how we handle and what we do with our time. In verse 15, Paul writes, Be careful how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. And basically what Paul's saying here is that time is a precious commodity. In fact, it is the most precious commodity that you will ever have because each one of us only gets so much of it. And there is no other factor in the rest of your life that is ever going to change the amount of time that God has given to you. So Paul is saying, be careful with it. Be careful what you do with it. It is precious. It is of high value. Make the most of your time. Now, if you notice here at the end of the sentence, Paul says, the days are evil. That's probably not the first thought that you have each morning. You, you get up, you get out of bed, you're standing in front of the bathroom mirror brushing your teeth. I don't think anyone ever says, gosh, this one feels like a particularly evil one. That's not how we approach it. But the evil, the evil that Paul is talking about is how prevalent different things are in the world that are out there that are ready to steal precious time out of your every single day. If somebody or something is going to steal from you, going to take from you, one of the worst things that they can take is your time. Because you cannot, you cannot get it back. Now Paul highlights two things that can make your day evil and steal your time. Foolishness and debauchery. He writes, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Foolishness covers a wide range of time wasters. Worry, gossip, laziness, envy, just to name a few. Have you ever thought about how much time you spend worrying? We're, I'm not going to ask you in public. This is something you need to work out on your own. But how much time you spend worrying? There are two types of worry. There are two types of worry. The first type is an accountability worry. That worry is, how am I going to eat tonight? Will I be able to pay the electric bill this month? 
I call it an accountability worry because hopefully it is the type of worry that spurs you into action, that plants a seed of movement within you. And to ignore that seed is to waste your time. So instead, you channel the worry into an impetus for action. So that's the first kind. The second type of worry is the type of worry that you can do nothing about except hand it over to God in prayer. And this is the worry that, that is most prevalent among all of us. It's the worry that comes with things like medical tests and, and procedures or even safety, getting on public transportation, things of that nature. Every year, every single year, I waste a good three to five days waiting on lab results. And as I was saying to you earlier, as we have gotten more technologically advanced, the worse this has become. Because it used to be that you go into the doctor, you get your blood test taken, and then the doctor calls you a couple days later, and there's nothing that you can do about this. And then we put the results online. And so your pastor has it in her mind that if I sit there at my computer and constantly hit the refresh button, that is magically going to speed up my test results. So there's three to five days a year when you probably shouldn't call the church office because I will be sitting there at my computer just waiting for the test results to come in as if my continued vigilance and worry is going to change those results. So you have to ask yourself, have I done everything that I can do in this situation? And if so, and there's still waiting involved, don't waste your time with the worrying because all of the worry in the world is not going to change the outcome. And either way, you're still going to lose if you give up the time that you are not going to be getting back. We also waste time with gossip and laziness and envy. Very rarely do any of those things ever spur us into action, at least not a positive, life-enhancing action, which means that they just waste time because there's no component of them that's going to allow us to redeem it. The other thing that can make your day evil is debauchery, and we have to be careful with this because Paul presents it in the context of drinking wine. But specifically what Paul's talking about here is getting drunk. This is not a glass of wine with dinner. He's talking about doing something, something that's going to alter your reality, your ability to participate in the fullness of life. There are things that strip you of your ability to be fully present to what's going on around you. Anybody who's seen any of those old Hollywood movies about college life, knows that there's always that one character who gets so trashed and so wasted that they wake up the next morning and what do they say? I can't remember what I did last night. That's a waste of your time because that's time that you spent on something and you can't even remember it. So to that end, it's, it's not just drinking. It's going to be anything that robs you of your ability to experience the fullness of life. Think of it like when you go to the dentist and you get Novocaine. So you go in, dentist does this thing, you get the Novocaine, but then you leave and the Novocaine is still there in your mouth. There is no point 
whatsoever of trying to eat anything until that Novocaine wears off, right? Because you can do it, but you're not going to taste it, and there's a good, strong possibility you're just going to run it straight down your mouth. So it's a waste. You, can't, you cannot live your life to the fullness of God if you are impaired. So instead, you end up wasting what's been given to you. So Paul wants to encourage us then to make the most of the time that we have, and, and there's two parts that he gives to us that are, that are held pretty tightly together. First, he encourages us to be filled with the Spirit. As we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among ourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in our hearts. I want to talk about this a little bit because anytime you whip out the Holy Spirit in a Reformed church, everybody gets really, really nervous about that. When we think about the Holy Spirit, there's this tendency to think about it as um, Pentecostals, being slain in the Spirit, handling snakes, that's next Sunday, um, <laughs> right? speaking in tongues. But those only represent a very tiny fraction of the totality of the Holy Spirit. Remember, in the Old Testament, Elijah meets with the Spirit in this place of quiet. There was tons of chaos, lots of things going on, but that's not where Elijah had this encounter. So sometimes the Spirit quietly nudges us. And sometimes the Spirit overtakes us with joy, and sometimes the Spirit just kicks us in the butt just to get our attention. But as the presence of God with us, the Holy Spirit is always nearby. When, ta when Paul talks about the Spirit in this sense, especially since he connects it so closely to drinking, what he's pointing out here is, is that when we fill ourselves with other stuff, we simply do not leave room for the Spirit. So when we waste time with worry, there is little space for the Spirit to move in us. When we are needlessly hurried, we don't allow time or space for the Spirit to speak into our lives. When we can't hear because our ears are filled with constant noise and distraction, it's very difficult to hear the voice of God over the din. So by talking about the Spirit in connection with hymns and, and with psalms and with singing, Paul reminds us of something very important about the Spirit. It's not stagnant. It's not that you get hit with the Spirit one time and you check that off the list and say, I'm, I'm good to go. The Spirit flows through us in the same exact way that music does. One of the things that I love here about the well is, is that when the team goes up, I'm standing in the back, and, and I see Presbyterians, lifelong Presbyterians who I've known, and they're doing a little, you know, I mean, we're not, we're not moving too much because we don't want anybody else to know that the Spirit is upon us, but, but something's going on. You know what that is? That's the movement. That's the movement of the Spirit in you. That's what music does. So you think of that movement in your own body, and if the breath of life, the pneuma, the spirit stops, then so does your whole being. Everything comes to a stop. So you want to make sure that you are constantly creating space that allows the spirit to move in you, which means that we just cannot fill ourselves to excess 
with things of the world because they do not leave space for the Spirit to dwell and move in us. The other attribute of making the most of our time comes with giving thanks to God the Father at all times for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Essentially, this is Paul's attitude of gratitude here. When we are grateful, we open the doors to relationships. It opens up opportunities for us to connect with other people. And when we give thanks to God, we recognize this powerful relationship that we personally have with the creator of the universe. So it's not really surprising that gratitude impacts our physical and our psychological health. Gratitude is about making that choice to, to redeem the time by not dwelling on the negative and seeking to uplift the positive. So scientists believe that gratitude builds empathy in us and it allows us to be an encouragement to one another. You like, I like being around people that are encouraging, that are thankful, that are embracing the day. And when we are grateful to God, we remind ourselves that he's in control. That's important. That's important to remember, that God is in control on the good days, so that when those evil days come, and they show up to steal your time with worry and opportunities for debauchery, you are reminded that God is still in control. Paul is encouraging us to make these days count. He always had this sense of urgency about things because Paul had an acute awareness of his own time, of the finiteness of his own time here on this earth. He knew that it was limited. I think prison assists in helping you to realize what time is worth. And he was there and he decided that his, his calling was to reach as many people as he could with the good news of Jesus Christ before his time on earth ran out. And at the very least, he did not want to waste any of his time on evil things that were going to rob him of joy and life. So the question this morning is, what are you doing to redeem your time? Evil days and evil ways are all around us. They are just waiting for us to be careless with our time, which so many of us really are. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, I wasted a lot of time in the past. It's gone. It's gone. We're not getting it back. That's not what we're working on today. We're working on going forward. Maybe you wasted it on worry or envy or excess. You're not going to get that back. But you can make a choice about today, about what you do right now. Today can be a day full of living with gratitude, living with grace, living by placing your faith and trust in the creator and giver of time. So what are you going to do with this today? It's the only one that you've got. Don't, don't waste it. Let's pray together. Lord God, sometimes uh, we, we take our time for granted. We let others take our time for granted. And we waste so much on worry and envy and laziness and gossip, sometimes even debauchery. And so we pray, Lord, that, that you would give each one of us a spirit that wakes up each day 
wanting to redeem the time, wanting to use it wisely and carefully that we can be filled with your Holy Spirit to see what the day is going to bring. And whatever it is that that day brings, may we, be, may, may we receive it with gratitude and joy in our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.